Against all odds, writer Bas Timmers went on a trip to Latin America on September the 1st, 2020, in the middle of a worldwide pandemic. This is his story, The Long Road to Medellin. Chapter 10. Time. It's strange how our current Western society seems to think of time of doing nothing as lost time. In our world, we consider multitasking a virtue. We are trying to be digitally available 24-7 and check our work mails just before we go to bed. And it's probably the first thing after waking up as well. Before kissing our loved ones or smoking a cigarette. But this always-on of the smartphone age has begun to show its dark sides. Switching off, digitally and mentally, has become very difficult for a lot of people. We can't even imagine what we used to do with all these quiet, useless moments in the pre-iPhone age. Maybe reading a magazine in a waiting room at a dentist, yes. But what were we doing when our table partner in the restaurant went to the toilet? Nothing? Gosh, those commercial breaks on the television were probably spent talking to other people in the living room. And when waiting for the traffic light in our car, did we really sing along to the compact disc? It had slowly dawned on me in the previous 18 months there was a problem growing. That had a lot to do with reading The Age of Surveillance Capitalism, the brilliant book by Shoshana Zuboff. It dissects the exploitative business models of Google and Facebook and the addictive behavioral mechanisms built into almost all smartphone apps. Her work was just enlightening because it finally explained why it was so hard to switch off notifications and vibrations. Why these dating apps were, until this day, so hard to ignore for me. These red numbers on the app icons indicating the number of messages awaiting for me were red for a reason. So things needed to change. The biggest achievement of the previous year had been to not install my work mail on my smartphone. To my surprise, my employer actually accepted that decision. Of course, there is no way for him to make work mail on your phone obligatory. But most people probably assume being reachable from early morning to late evening is now a part of their job. It doesn't have to be like that. And it turned out to be a massive relaxation for the mind. When the office was left behind, remember we still used to work in offices in those days and travel to work in overcrowded subways, <laughs> the chores were really over. With some education of colleagues and clients, my private cell phone was in my mail signature, but only to be used in emergencies. The number of disturbances in the evening hours was kept to the bare minimum. Previous to that year of working, the visit to Latin America had already taught me there was an entirely other way of life possible as well. One with slightly less stress. One without the frantic work pace of Europe. One where there was actually time to sometimes do nothing or have long lunches. One where there was actually time to breathe and think. It sounds so simple, but apparently isn't. 
my good friend, the writer Stephen B. Johnson, had written about it in his book about creativity. One of the best creative techniques is to go on endless walks. So when the pandemic started, I went to the outskirts of Berlin to discover more diverse nature I could ever have imagined in my city. And whilst discovering these lakes and forests and former railway lines and swamps and much more, somehow by magic, all the pros and cons of traveling during the pandemic started to fall neatly into a beautiful structure. To stay sane, to give me time to digest all my travel impressions, to think about all the future scenarios for the rest of my trip and for my working life as well, I knew I had to take a break from traveling sometimes as well. Taking a break from a holiday might seem counterintuitive, but experience had taught me it was indispensable. Ayampe in the end turned out to be the perfect place for that. Initially, my hunt for a warm beach town on the Ecuadorian coast, almost halfway my trip of around 16 weeks, led me to Kanoa. My Bible, the Lonely Planet Travel Guide, described it as a cool surfer town. But having too many cute surfer boys around me might be too much of a distraction. And accommodation turned out to be difficult to find. So the architect, see the Quito chapter, told me about Ayampi. A bit further south, five hours from Guayaquil. Close to the well-known party town Montanita, which was also disqualified because of too much possible gay activity. A wise decision, judging by my dating app. Thus, in the end, Ayampe it was. Without the sun I was craving for, as it turned out to be the rain season, a fact which was rather difficult to change. The rain part was more of an occasional drizzle in this week, and the gentle 23 degrees or slightly more on good days was still acceptable. My hostel was a surfer's lair, but mostly in the sunny season. The owners were actually an American couple which had built the hostel and later the male part started to make and sell surfboards. Apart from surfing, there wasn't a lot to do, exactly as I had wanted. Hence, the setup was perfect for some unstructured, spontaneous thinking. And to my great joy, the beach was absolutely made for that as well. A broad stretch of sand and some parts with annoying stones running between two villages for at least five kilometers, if not more. It took me three to four hours for a round trip to cover that distance, which, in all fairness, I only did once. It proved to be a very useful trek, though, because a good friend of mine, working at Holland's biggest newspaper, had asked me to write an article about traveling during the pandemic. He had explained me previous articles about pandemic measures had been contentious and had led to toxic online discussions. Especially the issue of Dutch women that went on a party holiday in Spain hadn't gone down all too well. Writing an article forced me to face the question that had been an elephant in the room for a long time. Is it morally acceptable to travel in a time like these? Because the news addict in me had of course read the reports about massive waves of infection flowing through the United States. The ongoing discussions about coronavirus measures in Germany and Holland. The posts on social media from friends who were still in their home offices. 
somehow making the best of it. And in the meantime, there I was, apparently enjoying the good life. Shouldn't we all be in this together, in our homes? Yeah, that sounds as a good principle, but it is also utterly simplistic. One might also say populist when you start to think about it during long beach walks. Because populism likes to solve difficult problems with simple solutions. And real life don't work like that, baby. In this together sounds egalitarian, but it is easier to be in a home office when you have a nice villa instead of a shared apartment, or have a country house in the north of England as an ideal pandemic retreat. No, we are not all the same. We are not all in this together. It is also easier to get through a lockdown and through a pandemic when you have a job. Mine stopped in the summer. Others already lost their employment within days of the start of the crisis. Others had to keep working. Hello, supermarket cachets, to keep society running. So the we are in it together as a moral obligation didn't do it for me. Apart from the moral aspects of the discussion, what about the legal ones? The governments of Holland and Germany were advising to do only strictly necessary travel, right? Yeah. Then maybe someone should tell me what strictly necessary entails. You either forbid something or not. But as with so many measures against the spread of the virus, this one was vague and inconsistent. In the summer I had seen dozens of my friends step into a plane to Mallorca and other parts of Spain the country that had seen one of the worst amounts of virus cases. I grant everyone their holiday and their son, of course, but the loosening of the travel regulations had more to do with stimulating the economy than controlling the pandemic. Let's just be honest about that. Just as the exception that business people could keep on flying during the crisis, resulting in pictures of my former boss from exotic locations, including in the weekends. No hard feelings, mate, but we're not in this together, apparently. On top of that came some severe cases of misbehavior of tourists in countries like Spain. Exceptions might not be the rule. They don't discharge me of the obligation to comply to the pandemic measures. If there would be an outcry about my trip, though, let's not forget many people did pretty much the same in summer. Or worse. The thing is, I didn't break any rules. Not in the country I lived in, Germany. Not in the country I traveled to initially, Mexico. I used face masks when required, washed my hands for every visit to a store or restaurant, diligently let people take my temperature in a park or cafe I was going to. Before going to Ecuador, I took a PCR test and paid for it myself, of course. Upon arrival, the immigration doctors could test my blood pressure, my temperature and oxygen saturation. They sprayed disinfectant on my shoes, my clothes and my backpacks. All things that were completely unproblematic for me because they were required by local authorities. But these were also all things that caused massive discussions back in Europe. I stuck to tougher corona measures than in Germany at all. Hence. After several long walks, the final conclusion was, no, I didn't feel guilty about doing this trip. 
As much as I feel sympathy for my friends in Europe, but I had done nothing wrong, at least not legally. Whether my trip was morally defensible or not was, in the end, for me at least, a personal decision. A question of comparing the pros and cons. And the result of that deliberation is different for every single human being. But don't you have the responsibility to not infect the locals in the countries you visit? Was the interesting final remark of my friend the journalist. Again, yes, of course. That is why I stick to the pandemic rules all the time, even more than some of the local bus passengers in parts of Mexico and Colombia. I could even prove I was free of Corona when I entered Ecuador, for example. Not eating and drinking in a closed space was almost a religion for me, preferring to enjoy my food outside even in chilly places. Hence, I guessed I took my responsibility very serious indeed to not infect others. And there was of course an often forgotten other side of the coin to this discussion, because the wheels of the tourism sector in my host countries had to start turning again. There was real joy in a lot of hotel owners because of my arrival. A lightning rod that signaled a better future, of foreign visitors finally returning. A taste of a new normal, a taste of a new beginning. Then there were the less glorious parts of my trip that couldn't be seen in all those glorious Instagram pictures. The constantly changing travel plans. The discomfort of wearing a face mask 12 hours non-stop during a bus ride. The financial risk of ending up in a hospital with a bad case of COVID-19 without an appropriate health insurance because no insurer had been willing to provide me with one. The closed national parks that should have been a highlight of my trip. Those were all the other side of the medal. I didn't complain about that because it was my personal decision to accept these risks and disadvantages. Other people might have taken another decision. And I damn well knew that my own judgment and feeling about the trip could change overnight if I would get the virus. But as long as one didn't break any legal rules, all other discussions about someone's behavior were for me completely personal, because there was no right or wrong for what to do in this pandemic. Even after all those walks on the beach in Ayampe, me didn't feel guilty. Yes, I did enjoy myself whilst others were having a difficult time. I took many more risks than them as well though, at my own expense. Therefore the salty sea wind exposed a clean conscience. I could live with my own decisions. It was time to move on, to return to the reason I love to travel so much. Explore new frontiers. Thank you for listening to another chapter of The Long Road to Medellin, a book about traveling during the pandemic. If you want to read more travel stories by Boss Timmers about Latin America, visit intothearmsofamerica.com.